Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. I'm your host, Umar Hamid, and today I got the chance to sit down with Chris Perry. Chris is the area vice president at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services and Penn Fed Realty. This was a great conversation because Chris is an inspired leader. He got a chance to talk about leadership, what works, what doesn't work, and how you as a coach can lead your team to become awesomer. The other thing that made it special was that we got a chance to do this interview not in a studio or an office, but we were out in the park, sitting underneath a tree in the shade. It was a great environment to be in. That's the new reality with COVID. Look forward to a great uh, interview coming up. And just before we go there, I wanted to tell you about my latest product. It's called NeuroBoosters. And NeuroBoosters, it's like software for your mind. It's a series of audio tracks that have NLP and applied neuroscience embedded within them. They show you techniques to take charge of your mindset. So you can decide how you feel or act in any situation. So for example, if you're a sales rep and you're just not in the zone today, just before you go into that meeting, listen to the track called Unstoppable. It shows you how to take charge of your mindset and amp up that motivation dial so you go from a six to a nine or a 10. This is gonna change your sales career. To find NeuroBoosters, all you need to do is to go on my website, nolimitsselling.com. You'll find it on the homepage. Anyway, here we go. Say hello to Chris. Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. This is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hello, everyone. Today, I have the privilege of having Chris Perry here. He is the VP of Regional Awesomeness for Berkshire Hathaway. I probably got the title wrong, Chris. Welcome to the program. Tell us your title. Thank you, Umar. Um, so my title is the Area Vice President for Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, PenFed Realty for the Baltimore region. Now you know why I wimped out on the title. <laughs> so the thing I, I'm really been looking forward to this conversation because... Your position is all about human beings, right? And how do you get uh, better performance out of people, better performance out of teams, and also how you seduce people to come over to Berkshire Hathaway. And that's <laughs> all human dynamics, right? It absolutely is. No doubt about it. Yep. So you were an agent, uh, minding your own business, making a good living. What uh, possessed you to step over to Berkshire? So um, the Berkshire Hathaway opportunity was twofold. So I was already in a recruiting and growth role with another company and um, was very, very happy there. Uh, but I was also approached by the leadership in the region for Berkshire Hathaway, PenFed Realty, and uh, they had a position open up for area vice president. So it essentially was to take my um, recruiting and coaching role and then spreading it out over the entire Baltimore region, which was very attractive to me. And when I researched the company, I also saw it as, you know, they're on the beginning phase of a hockey stick growth trajectory. So it's very excited to become part of something like that. Brilliant. So tell me what it feels like uh, when you look at, uh, let's say, a particular realtor in Berkshire Hathaway. Of course, we're not going to name names. But someone you look at and go, you know, uh, let's call this person Janet or John. Let's go, John. Nice. <laughs> John is doing good, but I can clearly see John could be a freaking rock star. And why don't they see it themselves? So how do you tackle... Think of a real-world situation. Of course, change the names. And how do you engage with a situation like that? 
Sure. Yeah. So sometimes, uh, well, most of the time, what I find, Umar, is that the biggest challenge that any agent has, whether they're new, experienced, low producer, high producer, is however their mindset is towards something. So what I focus on with most of my coaching is um, the results triangle. So we focus on the baseline of the triangle with their mindset first to make sure that that's in the right spot. If that's in the right spot, which most cases it's not around something specific, um, if it's in the right spot, then we move on to their skill development. Mm -hmm. As long as they focus on uh, the habits and skills, then they'll get the results. So it's mindset and then skill development. Habits become uh, a part of that that Mm -hmm. daily routine. And then as they focus on their habit creation and they stick with that, their skills will naturally get better. Then the results come from that. But the mindset has to be there to stick with it through the obstacles, the challenges. And if it's not, then we have to dive deeper into that. Absolutely. Another area that's uh, challenging for a lot of people, just in general sales, you get someone in a company and they're freaking fantastic. And then management in their wisdom goes, you know what? We're going to make you the sales manager, (laughs) which is a different skill set. It is. And oftentimes they struggle there because people do not do things exactly the way they've done it. And they get distracted from their production because they're dealing with the people they're trying to lead. Same thing is true in the real estate business where you get someone that says finally, you know, I'm going to develop a team. And I'm going to get people to be part of my team so together we move forward. So talk about the transition, maybe two stories. Story A of somebody that did the transition really well and built a successful team. May have had a hiccup or two and you may want to talk about that hiccup. And then uh, after that, we'll take a look at somebody that didn't make the transition well, whether we're a great individual producer, but not a great team leader. Okay, perfect. So the transition from sales into team leader role is what you're saying, Yeah, right? so yeah. think of a specific example of somebody real that made that transition really well and what you thought the uh, elements were that allowed them to succeed that way. And then we'll look at somebody... Once again, real life, names changed, Absolutely. that struggled. Okay, not a problem. Yeah, so uh, a team that I'd like to focus on, of course, they'll remain nameless, that did it really well. Uh, I think the, the big things that these folks do is they focus first on their leadership skills. Most of the time, um, when you transfer, obviously, from sales into leadership, it's a completely different skill set, as you said. Yes. And they don't focus on developing themselves as a trainer and leader and mentor and guide. So uh, the folks that did this very well, Um, are very, very high producers now and top-notch in the industry in in the Baltimore region. And they focused on growing their people. They focused on team dynamic. So not only leading people one-on-one, but also knowing how to lead a team as far as getting them together for a common goal is a big, big challenge for a lot of folks, right? Because most most teams out there in the world, and I'd say probably 90%, maybe 98%, when you look at the sum of the parts the whole that's created is less than the sum of the parts because you get ego and politics and people being complacent. And once in a while, you get these teams where the whole is much greater than the sum of the parts. And when that happens, that's magic. Absolutely. They write books about that stuff. They really do, no doubt about it. And I think that's the whole idea, you know, is one plus one equals three. When you lead it properly, um, there's a multiplicity effect of it. And when you have the synergy and everyone's driving towards a common goal, then what you find is that there's this culture of, support yes and it's not just about me 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 and then what that allows the leader to do is then continue to define who they're looking for 
Mm-hmm. And when you're super clear about who you're looking for, you then find you, them. you bring in the right people, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know who to say no to. And when you do it super duper fantastic, uh, one plus one is 11. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I agree. So tell me about a, a, a team, a producer that was really good individually. And when they started building a team, it went sideways. Absolutely. So a uh, opposite example of that would be someone who very, very great very determined, very motivated, hard worker. However, sometimes I see uh, challenges with letting go of control. Yes. And that's a big issue when you can't trust. And usually that's a lack of trust is typically what that is. Or something in the ego that won't let you let go. Even though you trust the person, you feel like the client is best off working with you, mm-hmm. right? Where it's just the level of service that you provide. And as long as that person that you bring on board creates the same or better level of service, then you should trust and be okay letting go of control. So I find that that's one of the biggest challenges for folks that struggle with building a team in real estate is um, letting go of control. Sometimes it's financial, but typically it's the control piece. What's kind of paradoxical is this, is that uh, oftentimes they see it as not trusting the person that uh, uh, they're leading. And oftentimes it comes down, down to them not really trusting themselves. For sure. But they don't see that. There's a blinder there. For sure. And uh, that's where uh, being a coach, it's um, challenging getting them to see it clearly. And one of the ways a lot of coaches go is they actually tell them what's going on and what it creates is a resistance. No, it isn't. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> and the thing is to really get them to to meet their model of the world and then get them to get an insight and then they go, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yep, it's, it's about looking in the mirror. Yep. And as a coach, I think that's the thing is, you know, we have to be courageous enough and also caring enough mm-hmm. to have the tough conversation or to ask the tough question that nobody has because sometimes people don't want to poke the bear. You know, these people are big producers. They have big egos. They've never been told no or they've never, yep. you know, been told that there might be a little... Uh, you know, flat tire on their vehicle that they're driving, right? And if they would just stop to be aware to fix it, they'd go a lot faster and their whole team would be aligned with that vision much more easily. And oftentimes what I find is uh, people get to a certain level in the team and it's like, okay, we're only just going to solidify who we are, what we do. And they'll work with a consultant or read their favorite book and they come up with, we are a team dedicated to the betterment of our community, our clients, and our employees. And it sounds like such hallmark bullshit. <laughs> and then they go, okay, our values are integrity, uh, customer service, and you can go to any company anywhere in the U.S. or Canada or Mongolia, and you're going to find similar language on what they're doing. And I think the trick really is to figure out who is the leader, what is their purpose in life, like why are they here, and that purpose can become the mission of the company absolutely and once you got the mission of the company it's like okay what goal would align with this mission that would be enough to get people to go i want to be part of that exactly so then it aligns with who you are and then if we figured out chris's deepest values and criteria around work and made that the values and criteria around the company chris is building then you become the poster child for that company because you're living it breathing it without trying to be something else and then you attract the right people coming in. And so all of it is organic, but we make it so complicated. Why do you think 
we make it so complicated because you can look at uh, writings from a thousand years ago. Leaders are struggling with the exact same stuff. Why are these people so difficult? <laughs> and why hasn't it changed or adapted? Yeah. Right? yeah. So, so why do you think that is? Why does the human condition remain the same? Yeah, I was going to say, I believe part of that's the human element, I think. Uh, and I was having a, a conversation with some other leaders inside the Berkshire Network across the country. Because, um, you know, when it comes to recruiting, that's one of the biggest things is, you know, knowing, like being genuine and who you are. Because we can all fake it for a certain amount of time. Yes. But how long can that last? What's the battery life for being someone that you're not? And then who are you attracting even if they are great, talented individuals, if it's not who you are and, and you can align with from a values perspective, then you're probably going to have a lot of um, challenges, obstacles, you know, things to overcome that maybe are not overcomable, if that makes sense, from a long-term company perspective. Yeah. So, you know, just for example, you know, from a recruiting perspective, you know, we always talk about it. We, you know, even if somebody has a ton of production and would make our company good money and they're making great money and everything looks really good from a financial perspective, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a great long-term fit for our company either. Absolutely. And I, I think part of the problem is this, is that for most people, it's difficult to figure out who they are and what they stand for. And so we have three faces. One, we show the outside world. And oftentimes that's, look at me, I'm pretty, I'm amazing, I know everything. And for some people it's like, I'm broken, nothing will ever work out. But both of those are an illusion that we show the outside world. Mm -hmm. Then we have this delusion, which is, this is who I think I am. And oftentimes that's not accurate. Then there's the internal, this is who I actually am. And once we discover that, it makes life so much simpler. Because you don't have to have this delusion of who you think you are. You know it. And if you get brave enough, then that's what you show the outside world. And we probably both know people like that, that who you see is who you get. Mm -hmm. And then people around them just feel safe because it's like, I'm not sure what it is to be around you, but there's something that makes me feel comfortable. And I want to do business with you. I want to be part of your team. And so how do you navigate those waters? So how do I navigate those waters as far as... For yourself, and then how do you lead people to uh, to see the light as well? Okay, understood. That's great. So um, for myself, I think that that's a, a matter of also, you know, working with, you know, a coach you're on your, on your mm -hmm. own, right? So for you to be a great coach for someone else, you have to have someone that's coaching and developing mm -hmm. you as a leader as well, and also looking for opportunities for you to grow. So, uh, so I have that person in my world, obviously. Nice. And they, they certainly helped me with that, you know, um, from a leadership perspective and, a, you know, just questioning some of my, you know, um, direction, you know, making sure that I'm going in the right place. Um, and then I think ultimately that to some degree rolls downhill, right? So, you know, much like a parent caring for a child, you know, you want them to make a difference in the world. So you care for someone else to hopefully make a difference in their team, for example. Oh, yeah, definitely. So same, same kind of uh, analogy, if you will. And um, for me, I think a lot of the time is when... I focus on the agents that I'm coaching. Mm -hmm. uh, we always like to look at what I call a gap analysis where you figure out, you know, this is where you are, this is where you want to go, let's find that gap and how do we build that bridge over mm -hmm. that gap or fill that gap or what have you. So, so ultimately, uh, a lot of times there's, you know the goal, you know the why behind the goal after you dig deep to find that mm -hmm. for this individual. So anytime they do something that may not seem aligned, aligned with that goal or with that why, then you're able to, as a coach or a leader, question that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe poke holes in it a little bit to 
have have them figure out if they're making the right decision, right? Because a lot of times, again, these folks are, um, you know, blazing new trails. They're trying new things. And sometimes just asking questions and almost allowing them to talk it out loud with someone helps them figure it out. I used to be uh, tech support for Hewlett Packard a long time ago. And uh, you just ask a couple of questions that were like just, so you didn't solve anything. And then you'd hear this magic phrase, oh. It worked. (laughs) And it was like, you didn't tell them anything. And it was like, oh my God, you're so smart and so amazing. And all you did was just get them to state the case and they found the solution themselves. And that's that's ultimate coaching. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just getting, basically raising awareness about what's going on. Mm -hmm. So a lot of time these folks have their blinders on. They're so focused on what they do day to day. We see the world as we are. Exactly. And it's the coach's job to get people to expand that scope a little bit. And just by seeing that new land, it allows them to go, huh. Yeah, the perspective of it, right? Giving them a new viewpoint, new perspective. So, Chris, why the hell is real estate so hot right now? We're in a pandemic. <laughs> When it first started, people weren't letting people into their homes to show their homes. So what do you think is going on? Why is real estate so freaking hot? Would you agree it's hot? I would say it's amazing right now. So why? Yeah, so I think that for the first two weeks, and I've talked to several agents in different areas, especially um, the coast, you know, the beaches. Uh, I've talked to a lot of agents, and, and what I'm hearing is the first couple of weeks that this went down, there was a lot of um, job insecurity. People did not know what their companies were going to do and what was going to happen with their job. And then after a couple of weeks and the company started deciding that, you know, they were going to go to some portion of virtual or what have you, and folks knew financially kind of where their company was and where their job was going to go, then you started getting more secure decisions being made. Nice. So folks decided, hey, you know what, if I'm going to work virtually and my kids are going to be home for a good portion of the year, then I want to have that upgrade, right? So I want to move from the townhome to the single family, or I want to move to the beach to be closer to the beach because my family's going to be able to access that easier while I'm working, you know, virtually, um, or what have you. So you see that demand and that um, the circumstances, right? So some of these circumstances that perhaps would have existed five to 10 years from now for mm-hmm. these individuals, it basically sped up those decisions, right? Nice. And the inventory so low that there's this huge buyer demand and the inventory being low has just created, obviously, a feeding frenzy for listings. Brilliant. And uh, I've got a friend who wasn't getting a pool. Exactly. Yeah. And this year it's like, <laughs> we're getting a pool. Yeah. I want my kids to have fun. And they got like this palatial home, so they're like all well off. And, but it was like, yeah, that exact same thing. I want to do better for my family. Yeah. And I've seen, yeah, pools, RVs, um, boats, you know, all these things. And beach houses, definitely. I've spoken with some folks in Ocean City and... Uh, the agents there, and they're like, man, it's just so tough to find anything for anybody right now because there's a lot of offers on every house down there. So, Chris, tell me about uh, your Moby Dick, where you were coaching and just a lot of struggle trying to get this person to to come around. And so talk about the struggle and then what final epiphany helped that person get that breakthrough. Because, you know, when you talk to coaches, oh, I'm a coach, it's fantastic, and it's so easy. But sometimes you get people that need help. And it takes a little while to really, because it's not about you, it's about how to get them to get the insight. So tell me about one of those cases where it was a struggle getting there. Absolutely, yeah. So I'd say that there was a uh, big producer that I was coaching with for a couple of years. And they were very, very strong at growing their business, growing their volume, 
and even you know pushing the team and helping them grow. But uh, sometimes again, we forget that people need encouragement, and that's a big thing. Like you know, people can push, 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 and talk about results, but a lot of times you just need an add a boy or an add a girl. You know, yes. as, as a salesperson, especially with all this rejection and ups and downs. So this individual just kept on forgetting to you know uh, celebrate people's successes with them or publicly uh, and tell their story. And I think that was a big struggle for them naturally. But over time, with consistent focus on that, they got better and better at it. And what they found is as they started doing that and staying consistent with it, uh, of course their people appreciated that on the team. And it showed team success. It showed their success as a leader. It showed that they also had a, a human element, right? It wasn't just about the numbers and the results, even though obviously that was their, their driver. They also realized that there was something human behind that and they right. were missing the boat on that, right? So there was almost like a cultural gap inside their team. And as they started focusing on that, it filled that void and the people felt cared for where they didn't before. So how did you get that person to get that epiphany? Because I'm sure you brought it up several times and they were like either not noticing it or pushing back. So uh, how did you get that message across in a way that they got it and took action on it? Sure thing. So it was it was really, um, it was almost like circuitous. So in this specific situation for me, I had the, the luck, I'd say, of having some of the inside scoop from some of the agents nice. on the team where they were sharing what their experiences were and, um, you know, obviously what they were lacking and where I could help the team later grow and, and also provide value. So as I learned a little bit more from them, you know, directly about what the situation was, I was then able to have some more serious conversations with the team leader to, you know, really... Um, so you had ask, data to kind of back up what you were saying as opposed to... Exactly. Nice. Yes, absolutely. So I had a framework and a foundation to start with. And then, of course, going through conversations with the team leader, asking questions about what's going well and maybe what was lacking. And then finding those opportunities where the team leader was maybe saying something was lacking, like motivation on the team. That would that would that was a, a key uh, you know, trigger there. OK, well, motivation's lacking. Well, why do you think that is? Right. So then you dive deeper into that and then asking the right questions leads to f them figuring out, OK, maybe this is part me, not just right. my team. Right. So. That's brilliant. So uh, before we part company, what are three pieces of advice you'd give realtors right now that are looking to improve their performance and then three pieces of advice you'd give team leaders to improve the team performance? Okay. So I'd say for um, agents looking to improve the performance, um, one, don't let what you can't do stop you from doing what you can do. Brilliant. So, for example, people used to do client appreciation parties. Well, now people don't want to get together in groups, right, because of COVID. So I've seen a lot of folks switch to virtual. You know, again, um, virtual happy hours with their past clients, virtual get-togethers with their past clients, etc. So, you know, again, uh, switch gears a little bit if you need to, right? Just um, do what you can. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say stick with the farm. The farm is very strong, geo-farming a neighborhood, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's still extremely strong and going very well for the folks that do that at a high level. And um, ultimately also I would say support local businesses because that's again uh, a sector that's you know struggling through this this you know pandemic. And the more that we support local businesses and make our make our real estate business a vehicle to support these folks, uh, again, not only are you building camaraderie in the local community, but you're doing something you know for the good of, of the locals, right? And they're going to remember that. So again, they're going to eventually, you know, um, refer business to you. You're going to refer business to them. It's basically a I scratch your back, you scratch mine situation. And 
to your question about the team leaders, three points of advice for them. I'd say don't be afraid of um, investing money because I think a lot of folks look at you know, getting an admin or a transaction coordinator, you know, if again, they're just starting a team, for example, um, or in some cases, some people bring on agents before they have the infrastructure. So right. maybe the first piece of advice is bring the infrastructure on prior to bringing more salespeople in, Smart. right? Always hire one step ahead of your growth. So um, inside of that, don't be afraid of the financial aspect of it. A lot of people look at the cash that's involved with paying a salary or paying for, you know, some added service. Well, guess what? You're recruiting to a value proposition. And if you haven't spent time creating it, then you're not going to keep the people you bring on without the value. Um, don't be afraid of letting go of control is another one. So again, um, these folks that you hire, if you've done your job properly as a leader and talent, you know, uh, acquisition, you know, uh, professional, then the folks that you bring on will do the job just as well as you after a little bit of training and guidance so you can be confident to let go of that control and uh and three check your ego at the door you know as a team leader i think it's good it's good to have a chip on the shoulder because you're a big producer and you're your driver your determination determined person um however you got to remember that human element you got to remember to encourage your folks and make sure to keep them motivated as a leader because again everybody has a battery life and if you're not taking care of the human capital that you have on your squad, then the results will definitely be impacted by that. I'm taking notes here. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for sitting down with me. I learned a lot, and uh, it was fun. We're out in the park and <laughs> enjoying the day, and uh, hello, COVID. Yeah, I know. Hey, thanks for the opportunity, Omar. It was good to, uh, good to be on with you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 